0: the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast.
1: It's Tuesday, January 30th, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studio, on the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, my brother Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. <laughs> First, thing, I forgot where you're from. <laughs> right, uh, what happened? I, I don't know. All I right. have. I, I just right. ate some Cheetos, and I was distracted by trying to make sure that I was enunciating gotta, clearly, and my
2: mind went blank. You Got to yeah. tighten the screws. We uh, uh, we, we, we've only done a couple of these, so uh, I, you uh, like, work the kinks out eventually. <laughs>
1: I uh, I go into autopilot when I do the intros yeah, and, uh, yeah. and and my mind wandered to the Cheeto situation going on. And, uh, I, I, it, but I but fl- hold on, hold
2: on, real quick. By the Cheeto situation going on, you mean yeah. the food that was just in your mouth. That's the Cheeto situation going <laughs> on. All I'm saying is
1: after you eat Cheeto, there's remnant Cheeto that you still have to deal with. Yeah, yeah you sure. know yeah, The time. dust. Everything that Cheeto touched from bag to stomach has... Cheeto remnant Cheeto, that you yeah. need to make sure that you're good for a broadcast situation. Very true.
3: Do y'all have Cheetos at the office or did you bring your own Cheetos from home?
1: No, we provide snacks for the staff and and the Cheetos are plentiful and free here. It on. is like manna from heaven how the Cheetos flow here at the relevant headquarters.
2: It, it, it is like if you're not careful, you it looks like, it, you you know, after if you don't wipe your hands after Cheetos, it looks like you're in like a post-investigation crime scene where they just been dusting for prints everywhere. You know, you can use using. It's,
0: using on orange, no, yeah. as they, like they do in CSI, well, CSI, exactly
1: from Nashville, Tennessee. That's Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody, and down the street, author, podcaster, speaker, and cowgirl extraordinaire, Annie F. Downs.
3: Good morning, gents. Happy Tuesday!
1: Uh, happy, Tuesday. happy Tuesday for us, uh, yes, it uh, is. And on
3: the show, <laughs> feels good, good. in feels every good. way. It's a Tuesday.
2: Yeah. Hey, it's yeah. a Tuesday. Um and I'm I'm very refreshed. Can I tell you guys why? Oh, Cameron, you first house who's a guest. First yeah, to coming man, up on the show
1: today. This is a big one, heavy hitter. You might you might have heard of him. Mr. Tim Keller is joining us on the show oh, today oh, to bring wow, some I'm gravitas really. to the ridiculousness. I, to say, I
3: feel like we need to behave ourselves a it's little a, bit. It's a yin Don't, yang never,
1: situation, a, ca- a balance, <laughs> like an old, old timey scale balance
0: thing. You got us, and then you have Tim Keller, and then kind right. of kind people of just start way. hanging yeah. on for dear life here. They just got a, just got a white knuckle it. Through this, through these opening, and then you can get to the to the cool, refreshing <laughs> wisdom, solemn, the solemn, pithy statements of Tim Keller. Yeah, yeah.
2: Hey, I, I I'm excited, Susie. I'm very refreshed. Got a lot of energy today. Can I tell you guys why? I'm very excited How's to talk you're about this? that. Are drinking that
3: food lion seltzer? Any, yeah, first you off. Seltzer water.
2: <laughs> First off, before a little behind the curtains, Annie's making fun of me because she saw me take a sip of a
1: beverage. Which she said, she said, "What is that?" And, and I said, said, "I
3: just had never seen the can before. It was a new can it was, from it was a brand.
1: It was a blank white can with, with <laughs> basic, basically Helvetica lettering on it. It says <laughs> yeah, selt, yeah. seltzer water, and it, kind of like kind of like they had it lost in the bunker at Lost. You know, just kind of like white labeled
0: things. <laughs> the food line and, uh, design team didn't wasn't the, the, the B team must have been involved listen, in this." The Phoned water, in the, they phoned
2: like, in the seltzer water cans. I will give you that. But it doesn't change the quality of it, Annie. I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm not one of these people that sit around watching HGTV in yoga pants, drinking LaCroix all day. OK, I am a man of the people, Annie. I shop at Food Lion and I buy the cheapest branded products they have. And that's yeah. that's all I need. I, and
3: you're so happy. I love it. I just have never seen the can. You're implying that I I went real rage on you about not drinking LaCroix when really I just <laughs> it had never mockery. seen the before. It was mockery. And seltzer water, just pure seltzer water is so gross.
1: I, I think I agree with you a thousand Thank percent, you Annie. So much. Uh I Even the flavored seltzer water is an acquired taste over a long period of time I, to me. But you know, I think once you acquire it, though, you actually... I think people like Jesse, like, you actually do enjoy it. And yeah. then you drink other stuff and it's like, whoa, there's too much going on here. I yeah. think your mouth changes.
2: Yeah, hmm. exactly. And it's spe- speaking of, kind of you know, sophisticated... Isn't that why
0: you're refreshed, Jesse? I feel like we jumped all over your... your no, sorry, I, mean, sorry, I mean, sorry. Sorry. that's
2: totally fine because it, it actually... It, it, this is, has to do with my sophisticated taste. Um, I stayed <laughs> I, I, at a winery in a cabin on in the Blue Ridge Mountains this weekend and, and, and totally refreshed. It was like a retreat. And I, 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 really? I attended a wine tasting one day, and I knew that's not my thing. I'm not a, you know, I'm a man who drinks through line, line, line seltzer water. Okay. I'd be surprised
4: if
2: a wine tasting was all. I've never been to one. Not really my thing. But I knew going in, I got one option to play this, and that's to be the tasting ham because you're in there <laughs> oh, no. with. No, this oh, is what gosh. you did at space camp. It was I like know, the, people,
1: you there, <laughs> the people
3: there. Everyone's experience at that wine tasting. There, didn't you Jesse
1: are passionate. And serious, and then you are like, you know what this needs? Somebody who doesn't take it seriously. Did you wear
2: a robe? No, no, Jesse? Here, here's what happened. So so we, we, <laughs> I bet you are a robe. So This yeah. this particular so. winery is not far from like a very large ski resort. Okay. So there are a lot of people that had come down the mountain from the ski resort to come to the winery, and they're wearing they look like they just walked off the chateau in their turtlenecks and fancy sweaters. They did. Yeah, they, yeah, they quite literally
3: did.
4: And these
2: wine tastes. You know, it's, it's a whole social thing. You know, they, they, right. everyone's taking sips and they're telling you about. And so I just I just decided I was going to make commentary on everything to the class. And, oh, wow. it, you know, and I just decided everything was going to be oaky. Uh, so, like, everything, you taste those oaky notes. The notes are very oaky. This is a different kind of oaky, but it's still, yeah. I'm taking. It's not as oaky, but it's a little oaky, you know, and Annie, by the time the class was over, I mean, people were patting me on the back, wanting to hang later. You know, listen, Annie, I won the wine tasting nerds over. And, you know, did they
3: really like you by the end? You would
2: say based on your read of the room, it was a success. You played the crowd was on your side. Based on the read of those rooms, I turned those yuppies to friends uh, and uh, you know I may or may not have an invite to the Chateau next year Annie so
3: I'm, you know I love that this isn't me like I'm an, well life, to be fair how
2: could a man who drinks Food Lion branded seltzer you know
3: you're just a you're an anomaly you drink Food Lion seltzer water and you'd go to wine tastings
4: I've <laughs> never been seem I've, to be,
2: I've never been but I'm just saying I'm not going to go in there trying to learn about wine I'm going to go in there and try to see if, exactly Tyler win perform. that crowd Win that crowd over, because if I can win those nerds, <laughs> I can get anybody.
3: How many people were in the wine tasting with you when you during your performance?
2: About a dozen, about a dozen or so, yeah. <sighs> Wow, wow. I mean, but there were other people milling around the hearth and things, the big hearth in there. They were, you know, I saw them. They wanted to be in part of the tasting too, but you know, you got to leave them wanting more. You know, that's, that was my strategy going in. If I can win these people over, what can stop me, Annie? What can stop me? <laughs> just a lowly, just a lowly podcaster who drinks seltzer water from food lion on <laughs> this from, from the scratching dent bin. What can? <laughs> Just a lowly, just a lowly guy who refuses to play more than ten cents for a damaged beverage. That's also somehow <laughs> somehow expired. I didn't know seltzer water could expire, but this is dangerously
1: expired.
0: <laughs>
1: Cheers, everyone! Have you guys seen about a week ago the Fire Festival documentary that came out?
0: I yeah, both yes. of, yeah, of, yeah, of yeah, them. Yeah, both of, two. Both it's
1: of two. them. It's a d- wait, wait, doubleheader. But, but one was on Netflix. The I, that's one I saw. The, I, I, one the other one was on Hulu, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't have Hulu, so I didn't see that one. Which one was better? Well,
0: I did. I did a double feature, and Annie, I think you I, did as well as I well, right? Did. You watched both. As a
3: good member of this podcast, I thought I need to watch both of these because I bet we're going to talk about it. So I really
4: did.
0: I did I wanna my hear research. Your, you guys. I want to hear your review. I want to hear. Okay. Your so, review.
1: so the summary is: Fire Festival was the famed about a year ago or so, uh, famed high end experience music festival for elite people to pay like $10,000 to $50,000 for the experience to come to a private island in the Bahamas and have this like very aspirational music festival experience. It went famously horribly wrong. Yeah. It was like refugee status uh, facilities like they they were literally
3: FEMA tents. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. They were unprepared, unprepared for everything. It was a disaster of famous proportions. The founder Uh, Billy uh, is in jail right now because of the fraud and everything. So two documentaries came out this weekend. Everybody's talking about it. So yeah, I I want y'all's take.
3: Okay, so here's my my hot take. I watched both of them and I think there's a chance. Huck, you need to confirm or deny. Okay. I think there's a chance Netflix and uh, Hulu are in cahoots about this. Because there are... You need to watch both of them to understand the full story. They like the actual guy, Billy, the guy who's in jail, is in the Hulu one doing interviews yes. after it crashes.
0: There were some be- there were some questions about it because they paid him. They kind of crossed into some ethical gray area by they by giving him money. Paid him. To- yeah, they paid him
2: uh, reportedly six figures to appear in their documentary, which does. Yeah, like Tyler said, that's a major ethical you know that that blurs. Is Especially, you are
3: allowed to pay people to be in documentaries.
2: Not well, to save not face for journalism
3: <laughs> and, and not I mean,
2: disclose it. You have to like, you, you can't pay someone to be interviewed not disclose that. That's that's an ethical violation, and you're not supposed to pay. A it's criminal. not legal.
1: It's not a legal violation. It's just ethically, you should tell the viewer that this person was compensated to come on and, and kind of, you know, yeah. give their side.
2: But. And the, the other, the other ethical issue is should someone be allowed to profit from defrauding people? So right. now he's getting a quarter million dollar paycheck because of his role in defrauding right. people in a sensational way. So it's two oh, it's too, have done this
4: yesterday
2: you know what I mean? Like it's, it there, there's the, that, that ethical
0: dilemma as well.
3: Huck, what'd you think about the two? Which one did you like better?
0: So I've gone back and forth because I think they're both they're both pretty riveting. I think yeah. I think uh, the Netflix one just felt like it had a little more money behind it, a little bit slicker production, a little bit uh, the narrative was a little more uh, cohesive, and I could tell there was some really experienced editorial hands behind that. But I think pound for pound, the Hulu one might have had more. Just drop your jaw! Oh my yeah. goodness, I can't believe that this is what hap- Actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. Moments like,
1: uh, I can't believe this is what happened. Like, more focusing on the experience when people showed up, like, this is what they encountered. They, or, they utilized or like, a
0: few more, like, actual social media, more social media video from the okay. actual day of people okay. arriving. Yeah, because the Netflix <laughs> one
1: was more about all the fraud leading up to it and kind of, I mean, it, it showed the egregious experience, but it really was 90% about the of how the, it got there. How it got there. Yeah. Yeah. How's
3: Ja yeah. Rule not in trouble with anybody?
0: Just yeah. Just got his own game going. Just on Twitter. He's going
1: He's going <laughs> at it with people on Twitter. I mean yeah. like he is. Yeah, he is. He is.
3: He's he's not very on Twitter. I'm like
1: Defensive. Dude. Yeah, if I was him I would just lay low right now, but he's yeah, uh, exactly. Uh did you hear that the 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 nice lady who ran the food thing uh in the Bahamas where she oh, lost yeah. her life savings $50,000?
3: By food thing he means like a restaurant she
1: ran a restaurant. Well, she but more than just a restaurant, she fed all the workers, she fed yeah, all the people yeah. who were stranded like Catering out of business, her own pocket so. assuming she was going to get paid, never got paid. Wow. And she was like crying on the on the thing just saying that she was so hurt by this and it destroyed her 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 life savings and everything. Um a GoFundMe was founded or started yeah. and over a quarter million dollars has been raised for her as of us oh recording this show. And uh you can see all the people who've donated. Ja Rule is not one of those people, and he should be one of those people. But once yeah. again, sure. it's up yeah. to us,
0: the proletariat, the people, to cover <laughs> up for the mistakes of the man, the one percent up there who's trying, who who's allowed to just fail right. as many times as he wants to. Yeah,
3: Jesse, have you watched both of them?
0: No,
2: I haven't. I, I've just seen. Uh, I haven't even watched the, the 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 Netflix one in its entirety yet. But I was I was locked away in a chateau recently. Um, After right, I forgot. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, it's. It, like I said, the, the Hulu one that it like the whole premise of paying the guy does kind of rub me the wrong way though. Like same.
0: Same. For okay, sure. so
3: listen, yesterday I went to dinner with some of my former coworkers, and we had an experience, not just like Fire Festival, but we planned an event. We had a similar experience and a similar boss. And we sat around and talked about like, man, it was purely luck that there's not a Um, this, the, the thing we were a part of a decade ago, didn't have quite the visualness of this did because everybody got screwed like this. People didn't get paid like they were supposed to get paid. They, yeah. Oh, I mean, it was,
0: I know you can't name names, but was it like an event?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The company ended up closing right after the event and we all lost our jobs. I mean, it was, it was such a mess and we all sat around going like, when you were watching that, did you, did you feel like you were living an actual job you had done? And I was and like, he, "Yes." I've
2: wondered what happened to acquire the Fire Fest. And now we know, <laughs> now. and now you
3: know. I was secretly behind it, but yes. So I know a person, literally in my phone, who is just like Billy McFarland, and who just just goes from scam to scam to scam to scam, to scam and it is. It's unbelievable. And you watch it and you go like, how is everyone still believing this person? But they do because he's just such a good salesman and but people that, keep giving money.
1: That's my core question is like, okay, it's one thing for an entrepreneur to launch a business, have a big dream, go after it and it not work out. Everybody for sure. everybody loses. You know, nobody benefited. The thing that I don't get and the thing that rubs me the wrong way is these entrepreneurs who... Then skate on to the next one, and they aren't losing financially. They actually are taking financially, leaving a trail of broken yeah. brokenness behind them, and then move on to the next thing. And they keep making. I mean, like in the Netflix one, after the indictment, after everything happened against Billy by the federal government, he's living in a like the the public perception or information was he lost his. His uh, you know, condo and all the stuff. He lost his Maseratis, he lost everything. And he's living in the basement of his parents' house in New Jersey again. Which was not true because they showed him yeah. he was living in a penthouse at a yes. hotel. Great looking.
0: Great looking. Because spot.
1: like and he and he kept up all the appearances of whatever, which clearly means that he was siphoning money and did not lose, but he, you know, lied to everybody and said that he did. And so it's like and he moves on and moves on and he still has all this money. And I yeah, he's going to like it's get a slap on the wrist. He's going to you know jail for 6 years, which means he'll serve a year and then like then he's back to it. And it's like I mean,
3: that's why his model girlfriend is staying with him is because he's convinced her like Hey, babe, I'm just going to be in here for a little bit and I'll be back and we'll be going at it again and I'll make money again. And he will. That's the thing, you guys, is he will.
2: I know, but it's not just unique to this is a a, a sensationalized version of this. But I mean, there's I recently solicited a great podcast documentary series called The Dream or it might have been. the. Yeah, I
3: listened to it, too. About multi-level to it too. marketing
2: and yes. how a lot of the people who run these multi-level marketing companies that are a, a lot of them are based on like absurd promises of return For people who end up having to buy like a starter kit or a training package and end up, you know a lot of them end up you know e- either being shut down or closing for different reasons and the same people just go start a different one up where it's yep. a different quote unquote product but ultimately the product isn't makeup or leggings or oils or vitamins or whatever ultimately the product is their ability to try to convince people that they can get rich by not doing a lot of work by by selling this product to their friends and family and it was the same kind of thing it was less sensational because it wasn't a music festival on an island but it was you know essentially making absurd promises to people that are vulnerable and have them believe it over and over again
1: which is again different than an entrepreneur whose business failed and everybody sure. lost money lost their jobs and, and the entrepreneur did too but it's this right. like scamming people and like lying to their face and that and or, or hiring These Bahamian workers who are going to work for a couple of months and know that you're not going to pay them. I mean, like, how do you sleep at night? Like, I just don't, I don't get that. I I just, it was very disturbing to me. There's that feeling
0: of untouchableness, I think, for a lot of these guys, that sense that, that I'll be fine. Like, I'll bounce back no matter what happens. And you have to really divorce yourself from the reality of the people who don't have the sort of safety net that you have right. by virtue of the privilege that comes with with probably money, that, that comes with just the amount of money that you have, you, you will be able to bounce back. Um, and maybe there's just some sort of like willful denial, which you can say, well, I can bounce back and they'll bounce back too. We all bounce back. But the reality is you, not everybody has that same sort of ability, that same sort of rebound capability that people like Billy McFarland, these people who would get involved in in multi-level marketing, uh, scams do too. And that's being as charitable as I can be towards them. The other option is just they don't care at all about anybody besides themselves.
3: Yeah, I don't know that he cares about anybody but himself. No, I don't think Billy does.
0: No, that
1: was my impression. Too. In the stories yeah. you read about guys like that, you know, it, they really don't care about anybody else. It's like, what can I get out of this situation? What can I benefit? And then that's the only thing they look at. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you weren't smart enough to kind of like hustle your own part of the action that's on you, not me, you know, like they look at the world, like winners and losers. And it's like, I'm a winner. I'm fine. If you're, you're not smart enough to be a winner, that's on you. You know?
3: I mean, it's just the reality of that. I mean, as you know, as we know is true, when the scripture is true, the reality of you can gain the whole world, but lose your soul. Yeah. Like he, you can gain the whole world and, and lose your soul. That is just biblical science. That's going to happen. And we, and that, We may be watching a documentary about someone who had an experience like that, that hopefully will. I mean, your hope is that he turns around and makes different choices and and kind of, you know, repents, for lack of a better word, for his behavior towards others. But nothing's looking like that yet. You think you only serve a year
1: of his six years? Is that how this works Uh, for non non. I mean, even murder sentences and stuff, unless it's like without parole as part of the sentencing, of course, yeah. you know, good behavior stuff. They, they, it's over maxed out prison systems and stuff. They're trying to push out guys who aren't like risk to society. So the
3: Hulu one talks about him that he's already making money again in jail because he's teaching other jailers, other other jailers, other prisoners how to do some sort of music something? How did what was that part? Do you yeah, remember at the very end? I can't remember end? what
0: it was, but some sort of yeah, uh, he's, like, scale, he's already making scale. money. Yeah, another, yeah, yeah he's already scale.
3: making money in prison. Yeah,
0: Crazy. and making money off of Hulu documentaries about his failure. I can't Pretty good believe gig that. If you can get it.
3: I wish I'd have known that. But like, why?
1: Why wouldn't the lawsuits? I mean, because like there was like massive hundred million dollar plus class action lawsuits and other lawsuits that have been levied against him uh, for the fraud and everything, like. So he made a quarter million from Hulu. Well, wouldn't the liens on him immediately snatch that? I mean, it's not like he has an offshore bank account or something. But but you
2: see, but you see the lot too, like, you know, some. You know, employee or, or something that won a big class action suit against like a pharmaceutical company, or, you know, that, that, yeah, the judge may say you're owed $50 million or whatever. And they're never actually going to see that money because they're just going to keep, uh, you know, appealing it and it's going to get held up in court forever. It could be one of those types of situations where due to legal maneuvering, you know, the people who, you know, were wronged may never have it righted for them. Yeah, yeah, Ja
3: Rule to me is more infuriating even or equally as infuriating as Billy that he's just tweeting and on radio shows and like, sorry, you guys, that is weird, right? And yeah. You're like, you did he's this too, He's promoting a tour man. right now. He's yeah.
1: promoting his own tour with his new little icon company that is basically the fire replacement. I mean, yeah. right. like looking at his Twitter feed. That's his pinned tweet right now is his tour dates. Right. I'm just like... right. If you go to a Jaw Rule concert, you're complicit. It- if you're going to Ja Rule what? concert in
2: 2019, there are more problems with your complicity. Complicity yeah. is, right. just the least here, is the, least the here problem. The problem is you're listening to Ja Rule in 2019. That's, <laughs> that's a whole other
1: issue, and it's way worse. It's way ja, worse. Ja Rule, ja Rule. I mean, like, I was gonna, that is, Ja Rule is the personification of that, the worst era of popular Never music that I can later. think of. You know, Like that early <laughs> yeah. 2000s. No,
3: I love, listen, on our drive home from dinner, we just rolled through Jaw rule last night. It was so fun. Jaw rule. You listen and to ja, Lowe, You're putting I mean, is, money
0: in that scam artist pocket. Annie, I downs. I, I thought know. I'm sorry.
3: Of you. I'm sorry, but I could Annie, not resist. To,
0: That's like listening to R.
1: Kelly right now. You can't do we it. We
3: were singing along like nobody's business.
1: Hashtag mute jaw rule. I, I'm yeah, telling. And starting and it right you now. Know what, Annie, he's he's collecting. One one
2: hundredth of a penny every time you spend.
1: How dare you, those poor Bahamian I'm workers? Sorry, All I'll right.
3: donate to that. I, I meant to, I did think about it when I watched it. I thought, yeah, that should
1: glad you thought about it. That's
2: I, thought, I will do it. I mean, listen, this was this was the most moving documentary I've ever seen. I actually thought about Doing something, I thought it literally, <laughs> literally crossed my it mind.
0: Almost moved me to stop listening to Jaw Rule. It came right up to the cusp. It couldn't even
2: convince you to not listen to Jaw Rule. I decided not to donate to the worker, and yes. I but I did still listen to Jaw Rules. But it crossed <laughs> the my mind. I should do neither of these things. But and, I was yeah. aware that this was <laughs> oh, an issue. Oh man, no, it was of just, that. I was
1: aware. Y'all are,
3: y'all are just jealous because you didn't get to hear Jaw Rule yesterday. You could have too, but you didn't.
1: So. All right, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? Okay, so, um, so this
2: week it was reported that Uber is uh, reportedly working on um, a new technology and new advancements in their business model. Um, they had been working on self-driving cars, um, but they're right. actually launching a new initiative, and mm-hmm. it will be autonomous bikes and scooters. But it's not like what you think. So you know, like the Lime scooters that are like sitting around all the cities yeah, and the yeah. right. There's bikes you can check out. So for anyone who doesn't live in a city where they are there, you can go rent one of these scooters uh, or you can actually make money by being a person who retrieves scooters around town. They all have right. GPSs on them and then returning them to their charging stations. But that element of the business model Um, is something that these companies are still trying to figure out because a lot of people, it's hard to make it worth driving around your town to find these scooters and returning them for a couple bucks each, right? Oh, wow. So what Uber is going to, what their new initiative may be, and what they what the, the the according to this report is they're going to do a bike and scooter rental where when you're done using it it will drive itself <laughs> all the way back to the closest <laughs> charging station. Wow. It. So in, a, wow. in a, so you might be walking down the street and seeing a bike riding by itself like a ghost bike rider riding to a charging station or a, a scooter just scooting along with no one on it riding to the charging station. That's how. So they're like, okay, we already have autonomous driving technology. Right. And so uh, we we already have like GPSs around where things can know where things are. So why don't they just cut out the middleman and just have these devices drive themselves back to the charging station. So obviously this is technically extremely complex. And like if I'm walking on the street and see a bike riding towards me, how does it know I'm there and it's not going to hit me? It (laughs) seems incredibly complex, but they think if they
1: can crack this, they can crack the business model. That
3: is going to be so creepy.
1: But that's what they're doing with the autonomous cars too, Jesse. They have to like uh, teach We talked about this on the podcast a few months ago. They're teaching it how to make moral decisions about if a crash is inevitable or the car has to swerve onto a sidewalk where there's pedestrians, teaching it what life is more valuable than other lives. Like if it sees a baby or a stroller, avoid that, but hit the homeless guy. That's what it... That's what the report said. And so these bikes will be doing the same thing. These bikes will be taking out homeless people left and right. Yeah. Does the bike choose
2: to go through a pane of glass that two construction workers happen to be clearing down the sidewalk (laughs) of that or that poor guy's melon cart that gets hit all the time by vehicles? If it has to choose which hilarious scenario will it choose? (laughs) This is the future we're living in. Comedy decisions are going to be made by bicycles.
1: Jesse, as you know, I am a hard, hard advocate for all this autonomous stuff. Let's bring it on! Just like I just—I walk out the front door, it picks me up, takes me where I want to go, and I'm playing Candy Crush the whole time. I never even have to look at the road. Well, well, uh, this—I
2: mean, this these bikes and scooters—you have to drive them, but they would return by themselves.
1: You know, I'm just saying. The more autonomous everything's going to get, the better. The more like the Jetsons, the better. I'm in.
0: I did love the Jetsons. Uh, What do you have, Huck? All right, so I, I've got a. This is something we talked about a little bit on the site, and I'm going to get you guys' opinions on it. I, I, I'm sure th- this this slice involves someone who needs no introduction here on this podcast. Uh, our our friend of the pod, Ken Ham, who runs uh, who runs Answers in <laughs> Genesis, uh, which operates the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. These sort of twin, uh, like kind of a combination of a of a theme park and a Bible study. And a a sort of pseudoscience argument for six-day creation theories that you got out there in Kentucky. So he has been apparently, and and this, this makes sense, something that Ken Ham would do, has been inviting local public schools to take field trips to come and to the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. So he can so they can come out there and get a, a sort of uh, what we'll call a, a counter narrative to the science education they're probably getting in their quote own unquote schools.
2: science education, <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> they're, 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 he's giving them all Watch science. Yourself. He, just, he's, Watch yourself. he
0: just wants to make sure they're hearing the whole, you know, here in every theory. Um well, this has run a foul of a group called the Freedom From Religion Foundation, which is a big atheist a uh, legal group and they they take it upon themselves to keep an eye on the separation of church and state and make sure that nobody's cross there's not too much crossover so they are obviously pretty upset about Ken Ham asking these public schools to, to take field trips to the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter because they say that that is proselytism that's using oh, huh. that's a public school. It's that's that state funding and they're coming, they're spending their time instead of getting a real science education. They're coming to Ken Ham and getting his uh, sort of doctored version of, of what's going Jesse on.
1: Jesse and I have been to the creation museum. Yeah. yeah I, we didn't say, wanna, I have not. Been we there. didn't want to take media's word for, it. we want to see it for ourselves, And so right. we went and I can tell you this, like, it was incredibly well done, right? Like the quality of the displays and the buildings and all this stuff is shockingly well done. And um, and it the the misnomer to me was the name. It shouldn't be the Creation Museum because the implication of museum would be educational, right? Yeah, it yeah, was sure. not. It was uh, entertaining. It wasn't
2: educational. They had a dinosaur with a saddle on it in
1: there. It was
3: like you're lying no, to my face. No, it no. was a dinosaur with a saddle.
4: on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. God
1: created everything at the same time, oh, and so, wow. so, so they had a big a displays. They had amazing displays and stuff. But it was like the Bible stories of Genesis come to life. I mean, there's an ark. There's a, all these things. And so my thing is like, if they just called it like the Genesis Experience or something like that, where it's like you know even almost like the Holy Land experience here in Orlando, where it's just yeah. like meant to be the biblical. Themed thing where we bring the Bible stories to life, great. But by calling it the Creation Museum, it does implicate that there's an entertainment or educational value to it, and there really isn't. I wanted it to get more into the young Earth creationist theories and and why or espouse you know the the worldview. I, I wanted it to get into the nitty gritty to learn you know okay they believe this they believe that but they didn't do that so. This criticism is true. I mean, and there's a, there is absolutely a salvation message. There is a Jesus message in this thing and the experience. And so I agree that for public school to go, you are just going to hear propaganda for a religion. You're not going to learn about, a scientific talk about young Earth creationism. You're but not. That's
0: what Ham's defense is. He says this is. This is. Uh, he, but it's he even not. wrote. He responded to to this atheist group in a blog post saying, as leading civil rights attorneys will tell you, I'm sure, as leading civil <laughs> rights attorneys will tell you, if classes tour the ark or museum in an objective fashion to supplement the teaching of world religions, literature, interpretation of history, the field trip is an educational experience. Now, he says, if students were brought to the ark or museum and told by their teacher that their religious content should be accepted as truth, then we would acknowledge that the establishment clause of the constitution as currently being interpreted interpreted by the courts would be violated. But it's something what you're saying is they that's not an obj, objectivity is not something that's offered to the students well, in the even, Creation museum.
1: I don't even care if it's objective or not. It didn't get into the why. Yeah. It, it just had a ah. presumptive hey, Genesis, this, and like, hey, look, here's who Moses was. And here's who, you know, like Cain and Abel. And like, and it brought like these Bible stories to life in an amazing quality. Um, yeah. But it, it really wasn't about the science of young earth creationism. It was shocking giving the name of the building, but it, it it's a presumptive that this is our worldview, but it really just laid out the stories of Genesis. That's what the building was. And it, it's just like, it just wasn't scientifically satisfying to learn about their theories.
2: But I mean, Ken Ham's <laughs> argument there is interesting because he's saying that, yeah, I, I agree. You, you know, you don't teach them this, that this is science teach them that this is an opportunity to learn what young earth creationist Christians think. I mean, that's basically his case. Like teach this as a worldview class. Like, Hey, I'm not saying this worldview is right, but these are what these people think. But if you went to, if you went to that level, it's like, well, then we should be taking field trips to every fringe, uh, you know, religion, you know, sect of any kind of major religion to go see what they think. It like, I don't really feel like his argument holds that much weight because I don't,
1: if my kids in public school, I don't want My kid to be subjected to a field trip where he has to go to like a Satanism, you know, display or a, you know, like necessarily, I mean, I agree that like learning about the different world religions and different worldviews about different topics is is valid, but like to subject them to an immersive full day field trip, I would would be problematic if I was of a different religion or a different worldview, you know what I mean? So, That's yeah.
0: a, a people rarely think about it's it comes up so rarely in these re- freedom of uh the, these freedom of religious expression arguments is how comfortable would you be then if your kids were were via this exact same argument taken and shown another right. worldview from a different religion. Right. And I would guess
3: that as a field trip in a public school.
0: Given what I know about the good people yeah. of Kentucky, who who I love and who I, I have family there, uh, but but uh I, I have to think there'd be some issues raised if they were to go taken to a mosque for the day to see. See how, how the yeah, average Muslim thinks and this right. is an argument that the Church of Satan has actually exploited and trolled fairly successfully and sometimes very hilariously <laughs> by,
4: uh, <laughs> by saying good, if you're, you're good uh,
0: <laughs> credit where credit is due they know how to use the laws in their favor, too. And that's why there's a statue of Baphomet at, the, at a courthouse in, I believe it's in Ohio, because they're saying if you have the Ten Commandments there, then you have to make room for all, all religious. For our goat-headed deity. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: hilariously that's what you sent
3: us a picture of, Huck. Our picture hilariously
2: of. heavy metal goat-headed deity with children worshiping it. I get it right there.
1: It is interesting to me that a lot of the Christians espousing for religious freedoms in America or t- playing the victim card of persecution against our faith, whatever, don't think about the golden rule, about the doing to others as you'd have them doing to you. And like, how would you feel if you were, you know, walking into Target during? ramadan and there's ramadan displays everywhere or you know the jewish holidays or whatever like like you want your christian holidays to be you know promoted uh as you know just under the religious freedom thing but you don't want that for the other religions and that to me is problematic yeah like and and for the church of satan's point you know it's like and you to be know, clear, it's true. I think
0: it'd be great if more students had more exposure to the ideas and literature and cultures of different religions. And and I think that would be a great thing to start incorporating into the public school system to to yeah. broaden their worldview. I think that'd be awesome. Right now that is not we need we can't kid ourselves into saying that that's something that's actually happening, there is yeah. because there's a massive amount of money and resources that are pooled into making sure they're exposed to the worldview that those of us on this podcast happen to hold. And that's a and I think that's fine as long as you're making and that ch- is
2: that the that the that the earth was created six hundred and forty seven <laughs> years ago <laughs>
3: <laughs> and that dinosaurs could be ridden if you had the right um so I,
2: I don't, don't believe salary, it, but salary. I like it
0: enough to give it a pass. You know, just
2: sure, I, give it, I put that in the sure. Why not? Category. <laughs> you never
1: know. <laughs> sure, uh, you know, you never know. The sure why not thing. folder in his browser is very robust. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, Annie, what do you have?
3: Well, first, I want to give a quick update on last week's slice. If you'll recall, the peeps factory is doing a giveaway where people can come it. It's going to be just like Willy Wonka. Mm -hmm. And the update is that contest is still going on. So I hope you guys continue to enter as (laughs) I also continue to enter. And I really look forward to one of us winning. Um, Okay. Because only
1: four people will bother to enter. So you have a very good shot, Annie. Oh my gosh.
3: (laughs) Don't say that. Don't get my (laughs) hopes up like that. Don't, don't get me excited like that. That's so rude. In, In
2: an industrial quarter. Of Pennsylvania.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, and, in a, in a nondescript flex space warehouse of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Sounds
3: just like the outside of the chocolate factory in Willy Wonka. Okay, listen, there is this mountain town in Italy called Sambuca, and it's beautiful. And it overlooks the Mediterranean. It's lovely. It's like... Uh, if Isn't you Sambuca can the picture- name of a
1: cheese? Like, or is it there's something from Sambuca or it's a, it's a spice or something. Is there something? Is there's there... a
3: restaurant here called Sambuca in Nashville. Oh,
1: no, I don't know.
3: Right. I don't know what else about public, um like spices. I don't no, know. I don't, I don't know, know if there's a Sambuca Sorry. spice, uh, but it's kind of between like Florence and it, it, like if you leave Florence and you go Northwest, it's that way. And they are currently selling, houses like the town are is selling houses in Sambuca for $1 like
2: Whoa. what's the catch
3: Yeah. Well, there's barely the the, cities have done this before where they weren't actually owned by the town. And it was just like a a tourism thing, like a ploy. But honestly, the town owes a bunch of these owns a bunch of these houses. What the city people have been going, moving into big cities and leaving these hill cities, these smaller towns and villages. And so now they're saying, hey, it's beautiful here. It's easy to get to if you fly into Florence. Like have a second home in Italy and it's only a dollar. Now the catch, the only catches for you guys before you go and purchase one is you do have to agree to renovate it. And mm. so you do have to pay $15,000 to renovate it. And then you have to do like a, a $5,000 security deposit to the town that you will get back once your house is renovated. Cause everything's kind of like the town's like falling apart. Yeah. And so they're selling houses for a yeah, dollar and that's then you have 15, to buy it.
1: And re- $15,000 for a house though. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Or like an, yeah. Like like a an old world house. Airbnb. Yeah. Yes.
3: You have to do it within three years. You have to renovate it within three years of buying it. And you have to spend the, the minimum you have to spend is $15,000.
2: There's a Damn. lot of, there's a, I mean, but you know, towns like this and in, in, do the math. I mean, it was a state, I want to say it was like New Hampshire or something a few years ago. We may have talked about it on this podcast where they would pay. If you are, if you are working, if you work at home and you work for a company mm-hmm. out of state, if you are willing to move there and work from a home there. So basically a way to bring income oh, into yeah, the absolutely. state, we talked to, Yeah. They would give you something like $50,000 or, or, or they would right, give you yeah. a bunch of cash because they had worked out the math that, you know, something like this where essentially you can we can either give property away for free or literally pay people to come here and at the end of the day, this will be better for the economy. Yeah, but uh, it's future
1: th- economic impact. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, yeah. Uh, update, Sambuca is an Italian liqueur. Liqueur.
3: Oh, okay. there you go.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay,
3: well done. Well done with your Google. Very
1: oaky. It's an oaky,
2: oaky
3: weather. <laughs> so they do have wine there, Jesse. That's what made me think you would like it is you could go host the actual wine tastings. Yeah. Yeah. And you could teach everything you've learned Yeah.
2: so far. I would, and, and I would dump whining. the wine in the sink, break out the food line seltzer and say, you know, uh, drink up everyone. Right. You're at the house of a man of the people here. And and I want you, you to would have it. to import. I said and this article that came <laughs> yeah. out
3: just this week. It says that they've already sold ten houses, like ten of them have already been purchased, and so they're they're really hopeful. So if you guys want to buy a house for a dollar in,
1: I watch a lot of HGTV. I watch a lot of HGTV and DIY Network. I can. uh... Go over there, pretty handy. Do it. Just do they do, it? they do they nice. dictate the renovations, or can
2: I spend fifteen? As long as it, I can spend fifteen thousand dollars on any on anything as long as it's technically part of the renovation because I'm building exactly. a gigantic slide that wraps
0: around the house that is going to be awesome. That's my That's, right. That's all they
3: care. You've got three years. Move all
0: the stairs, replace them with fire poles. <laughs> That's right.
3: That's
2: right. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to make this house even more of an eyesore. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: and
1: won't be falling apart anymore, <laughs> but it'll be more of an eyesore. Right. Fire poles, it'll right. be
0: fun to go downstairs. Going up will be a little more of it. You have to really want whatever you're getting.
4: Yeah. You
2: finish the renovation, you and the contractor sit there and like yeah. knock the dust off your hands. They're like, All right. He's like, So how are you gonna get upstairs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, I did not really think about that. A lot of shimming and yeah. pure will. Um all right, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Tim Keller joins us. Listening to the Japanese house. The song is Follow My Girl. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Adia Victoria with a different kind of love. Well, today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Samaritan Ministries. Uh, Samaritan Ministries is a healthcare sharing ministry with over a quarter of a million Christians caring for one another's needs, from broken bones to cancer, pregnancies to organ transplants, all without the use of traditional health insurance. With the beginning of a new year comes the opportunity to evaluate improvements to your way of life, and that includes your health care. Samaritan Ministries members say they are happily uninsured and never plan to return to insurance. Health care sharing with Samaritan Ministries gives members like Jordan and Danielle from Indiana the chance to directly affect someone else's life. They said... Having a baby with Samaritan was way better than our first with insurance. Our insurance company kept finding ways to make us pay, and Samaritan was straightforward and not complicated. If you'd like to learn more about how you can join those that are happily uninsured, visit SamaritanMinistries.org slash relevant. Tim Keller is the founding pastor of New York's Redeemer Presbyterian Church and the author of numerous best selling books, including his latest, The prodigal prophet, Jonah and the mystery of God's mercy. In it, he explains what modern Christians can learn about nationalism, immigration, loving our neighbors, and obedience from the Old Testament story. Here is part of our conversation with Tim Keller.
0: Your book, The Prodigal Prophet, came out in October, and it seems to me that it deals with a couple misconceptions, and I wanted to unpack those a little bit. The first one being about the story of Jonah and how you feel like there's a disconnect between the popular understanding of that book with the whale that everybody knows about and a more biblical understanding that is maybe a little truer to the text. Could you get into what that means and why you feel like that needed to be addressed?
5: Yes, the popular conception of uh, the book of Jonah is kind of like a fairy tale. At the very center of it is the the whale or the the great fish. And Jonah is disobedient and uh, he uh, gets eaten by a fish, but God is merciful and doesn't let him die in there. And there he repents and says, oh, I'll do what you want. And then he spit out and he goes and does what God wants. So the fish plays a very, very, very big role. It's actually the main point, you might say. It's the, it's the main dramatic mechanism of the story. And it's, it's reduced to Jonah uh, being afraid to do God's will and then afterwards repenting and going and doing it. Of course, the, uh, what that does is it cuts the biblical story in half because it's actually only chapters one and two, not three and four. And it foregrounds the fish, whereas it, what's so intriguing about the Book of Jonah, as weird as it is, uh, even in the Bible, <laughs> for a man be swallowed by a fish and then to survive, uh, it's not it's not described much. I mean, ordinarily the way you describe something that, that if you're a, an author and you're trying to make this a very important part of the narrative, you get some description. You say he was huge, he had great teeth, he was you know, green and scaly. Uh, and But it, it's just spoken of in a, the most matter-of-fact way that shows that, at least in the narrator's mind, it's not a major part of the narrative action. Um, in fact, it actually is exactly the same as the plant because the word is that God appointed a fish for Jonah. That's in chapter 2. And then the same term is used in chapter 4. A God appointed a plant to grow up over Jonah's head and then it died And in both cases, God is taking some non-human object to teach a lesson. Uh, But as far as the narrator is concerned, the plant is about as important as the fish. And so, um, it's uh, the biblical story is just all out of it's just so different than the typical way to be honest, the, the Sunday school story is told.
0: And in some ways, it's easy to see why. Teachers rely on the whale because it certainly can get your attention when you're six years old. But what would you say is something that, like as we grow up, what's a better, truer, more biblically honest way to think about this story?
5: Well, it's uh, it's it is really a one off. First of all, uh, it, it's uh, there, you know even though Jonah is in there along with all the other prophets, so you have Hosea, Joe, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, you have all the prophets, but all those other prophets are books of prophecies or sermons by the prophets. This is a story about a prophet, so it's right there. It's just completely different. Uh, secondly, even though Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, they sometimes speak to the nations, to so the gentile nations, no one, had, no one had ever been sent out to a gentile nation. That just no wonder Jonah is just completely flummoxed by it. So God can really, you know, he, he can start to do some things that he hadn't done in the past. And the innovation in ministry, obviously, can happen. Uh, thirdly, what you have here is a something pretty remarkable, which is a very disobedient prophet. I mean, you can see Jeremiah getting very unhappy at various points and depressed with, with, with the bad news he has to give people. But to have a, a, a prophet of God willing, in a sense, to throw his life away almost, rather than go to a particular group of people and give them a chance to repent, does show something deeply wrong with him, with him and his faith and his regard. And if he would really say, um, I would rather die than have this group of people, this particular group of people repent, then there's a certain animosity to that nation or to that race or to that group of people that just shouldn't be there. But their spiritual welfare is not as important as my, you know, uh, obviously in the book I try to say, uh, that the national interests of Israel are more important than the, um, the spiritual good of those people. And that's a major failing on the part of a leader of, of, of the, in, in, a, in the true religion. <laughs> and so there's all sorts of, it's just bristles, you see, with all sorts of um, lessons that the modern church needs to be thinking about and modern Christians need to be thinking about. But Do we really have... Now, are we more concerned? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't tease it out too far in the book because if these were this based on sermons, and sermons, you're basically trying to preach the text. I don't want to preach it out too, take it out too far, but really, when when you are more concerned about your own economy than about the spiritual good of of people who are trying to get in here and who are trying to get into America and who, um, uh, I, it, it's. Yeah, and of course, the, the, the whole idea of, there's a certain sense in which Jonah is a, uh, a person whose nationalism and his promotion of his own nation's interests over the spiritual good of people, uh, that's got all sorts of implications, lots of implications. We have to say, well, you don't, well, I'm an American Christian, but I really should not be putting the good, the, you might say, the, the material, economic, and military security of my nation over the spiritual good of people. And there's a lot of ways in which I might be doing that. Uh, so, so yeah, so it's, it's bristling with all sorts of, of remarkable implications.
0: And now we're getting into the second misconception that I wanted to talk to you about that you address in the book. And I think you also wrote about this for The Times a little bit uh, what do you think this story has to teach us about uh, how Christians should live in public? Uh, what should our engagement in civil life look like in this present political moment that we're experiencing? And what can Jonah teach us about that?
5: Well, I I obviously the, um, the most obvious thing is that when you have um, some kind of balance has to happen where you where you say every country, of course, does have to you you, you have to. Secure your own borders. You 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 can't have a chaotic situation in your country. Uh, you would, in a sense, not be. You wouldn't be really looking after the welfare of your own of your own families and your and your own people if you really uh, didn't have some kind of uh, control over your borders. <clears throat> On the other hand, the Bible, the Bible really is an anti-racist book. There's there's a million ways in which the Bible. Is speaking against the idea that one race is superior to another race, or that one culture, you know, should see itself as, as smugly superior to other cultures, and that all people need to hear the gospel and all and, and you know the second great commandment. I think I mentioned that, but hardly in the New York Times part. The second great commandment, which is love your neighbor. When God, when Jesus was asked, "Well, give me an example," he gives an example of a man loving uh, in a very material, practical way somebody of a different race and religion. I mean, that's you ask jesus christ give me an example of loving my neighbor he picks on uh, a man in the story who is looking at an enemy basically looking at somebody who is actually militarily and politically and socially an enemy of his own people and he helps them and so that you has to. That has to at least change our attitude in in the way in which we look at immigration and the way we look at refugees and immigrants and the way we look at uh, how we, as, you know, American Christians regard people in the rest of the world. We just shouldn't have the fortress mentality. We shouldn't have the negative attitudes toward uh, various races and classes of people. It's just And Jonah is just one more place in the Bible where the Bible is saying not to do that. It's like the Good Samaritan, except, you know, Jonah is the is the bad Samaritan. Like jonas, jonas the opposite of the Good Samaritan. It's almost like the reverse of it. So that's, I, I don't know if you think I'm being above the fray. What it means, of course, is I don't want to come down and say, this is the biblical immigration policy. I think that would be going way beyond the text. And it's really, at that point, you're really, uh, when you start to say the Democrat or the Republican approach to immigration is the biblical one, then you really are becoming a, you're letting the Christian church or the Bible. Christianity become a pawn of a particular political party that's a tail wagging a dog it's just wrong uh on the other hand what you can, what I think you can usually do is you can generally uh, uh lay down sort of guardrails and say you shouldn't be talking like that you know the, the Bible's approach is as a Christian I should not be talking like that or I shouldn't be doing that I shouldn't have that attitude so if there's a there's guardrails, not necessarily exact policy that you can find in the Bible for, say, a modern pluralistic nation.
1: That was Tim Keller. Make sure to check out his brand new book, The Prodigal Prophet, Jonah and the Mystery of God's Mercy. It's out now.
4: Well, in the sky, I cast my eye with you all my mind. Oh, well, lost in you.
1: You're listening to Yellow Days. The song is With How Can I Love You? No, for real, how? Mm. Well, today's episode is also brought to you by Squarespace. Creating your website with Squarespace is a simple, intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with the click of a mouse. Squarespace even makes adding a domain to your site simple. If you sign up for a year, you'll receive a custom domain for free for a year. You can design a best in class online store with Squarespace's award winning templates, customizable settings, and more, all without a single plugin. You get access to their seamless commerce tools, including all the things you'll need to track inventory process orders and send custom emails in one intuitive interface. Squarespace Commerce allows you to understand every aspect of your business. Squarespace also offers incredible 24-7 customer support. You can go to squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your site, use the offer code relevant to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace, set your website apart. Okay, it's time for. You listen to the show and it's time to get to know you. It's a listener of the week. Our listener of the week. Uh, Jesse, who have you uh, selected this week for our Listener of the Week?
2: Well, this week, I wanted to go for someone that had alliteration in their name. So I went with Pierce Perry. <laughs> welcome to the Pierce show, Perry, Pierce Perry. Welcome to the show.
6: Thank you so much for having me. This is, uh, this is an honor, a true honor. Pierce, so, where,
1: are you, where are you calling us from?
6: Um, I'm calling you guys from Winona Lake, Indiana. I'm a uh, college student at Grace College and Theological Seminary. So, um, we had chapel just a little bit ago. So I've been, ch- and then I have a class at one o'clock. So what
2: was the oh, message? Wow, what was the message hey, what,
1: what are you doing? What are you doing after the class at one? Now, I mean, go through your entire traffic. <laughs> <laughs> itiner, <laughs> I like it. Well,
6: yeah, so I class this morning, then we had chapel and then I have financial accounting at one and then the rest financial of my day accounting. is just pretty chill after that. So
1: what, what, uh, what are you studying there in college?
6: Uh, so I'm a biblical studies major and then I'm minoring in general business. So
1: what what are you gonna do boy. with that? Like a Bible business?
6: The plan is just to work for a local church. I don't know where that's at specifically. Um, I have to figure that out in a couple of months though, because I'm graduating. Uh, so, uh, but other than that, yeah, I've just been in- enjoying it here. It's it's really cold. It's sure, like actually,
1: Yeah, I think you made a good choice. I think no matter what field you're going into, you should minor in business. Yep. Honestly, like artists should minor in business. Yep. Ministry Three, people I should agree. minor in business. Yeah. 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 I mean. Well, it's I'm, I'm, I'm kind of regretting serve. it
6: right now just because I'm taking this really hard financial accounting class. Uh, it was up till two yeah. o'clock in the morning <laughs> working on it. So, uh, but other <laughs> than that, great. it's been great. That'll so, be worth it.
1: Like they call it financial accounting, as opposed to what other types of accounting? Uh,
6: there's great. all all sorts of managerial accounting, uh, intermediate uh, accounting. But uh, this is just kind of like your base level entry base into level. financial
2: accounting. Mm. Mm. Gotcha. Okay. Sounds, sounds wow. really boring. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
6: it's, not, it's, not, it's not that bad. All
2: right, Pierce Perry, you gave us three interesting facts. And uh, I'm gonna <laughs> I'll am gonna i start at the top here. You threw a bachelor party for a guy from Mexico that you only met once. How oh did you end up throwing him the bachelor party? And what what did this bachelor party entail? Okay. And listen, uh, my expectations are very high right now. That you, this better be the bachelor a bachelor party that has all the excitement of someone who is uh, an accountant and also a theologian has. So tell us <laughs> what your depraved uh, uh, a weekend before his wedding entailed.
6: Yeah, so it was actually the night before his wedding that we did it, um, which is never a good idea. Um, so <laughs> my one of my friends from high school, she. Uh, she moved down to Mexico and met her now husband. And so um, before then she brought him up like two years ago. So I got to meet him and then um, they got engaged, which was super awesome. Um, And then she was like, uh, her sister texted me. She's like, Hey, um, me and my group of friends, what would you guys think about throwing uh, on Hill, which is his name, a bachelor party uh, the night before the wedding? Um, And I was like, okay, uh, I've never, I I mean, what do you want us to do? And she was like, just come up with something. Uh, so we kind of put our heads together, uh, to make it the most American bachelor party (laughs) uh, he he could ever have. (laughs) And so, uh, we had it at my buddy's house. And so, uh, we grilled steaks and, um, we played poker and we, uh, had cigars and drank, alcohol as well oh, and decided oh, to oh, a good wow. you, just, you, just you just went the breaks
0: breaks there wow, wow. Part? Does Grace College <laughs> know about this? Hopefully, hopefully your chaplain <laughs> doesn't listen. It
3: was before he went to chapel, you guys. It was before he went
0: to chapel.
6: Yes, it was before. Yeah, it was before. Right. Um,
0: right.
3: Had I known that right.
2: our listener of the week consumed alcoholic beverages once, I would have had it. Yeah, <laughs> we should have sworn.
1: <laughs> Okay, I'm going to break <laughs> through this one because this one's kind of, you said the entire story in the fact, I delivered food to a Harlem Globetrotter. Okay. You know, who hasn't, right? Okay, we gotta get to this third fact. Oh my goodness. Who
4: hasn't?
1: Here we go. I saved my mom's life when I was in fourth grade and won the G.I. Joe Real American Hero (laughs) Contest. Yes. Please tell us what in the world.
6: (laughs) Yeah. So um when I was in fourth grade, my mom and I we were driving uh down. Or back home. Uh, I'm from a really small town in Ohio. So there's only one traffic light. Um, so we were driving down the main road and my mom passed out behind the wheel of the car. And so I'm in the passenger seat. I was in fourth grade. I wasn't paying attention. And all of a sudden we were on the curb and I was just kind of like, what's going on. And so I looked over, my mom was just slumped in the driver's (gasps) seat. And so, So um, I was kind of like, "Okay," I was like, mom, I'm like, what's going on. And, uh, And so she, so I, um, so we hit a sign and then Mm -hmm. from there I grabbed the wheel and recorrected it onto the road. And then I was dry. So her, her foot was on the gas. Um, and so the car was. It sped up even more. You <gasps> no. so hit
0: the, the gas.
6: Yeah. So her, it wasn't like her whole body went limp. Like her, her foot just decided just to keep going down <gasps> the gas. Oh my wow. gosh. So and I had no way. I didn't know. Like, I obviously I'm in fourth grade. I don't know how a car operates. So I just grabbed the wheel and corrected it. And then, um, I was shaking my mom while I was driving the car, uh, wow. through like the, our like little downtown area of my town and, and so she, I woke her up. She woke up, and uh, we kind of parked the car, and she kind of just gathered what, 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 like what happened, what's going on. So then we got back to the house, and you know we called nine one one. She went to the hospital. Uh, they never really like diagnosed like what happened. They just kind of said that it may because she she had a sip of Dr Pepper, and she said I guess it just basically like it went down the wrong pipe. They come they basically compared it to whenever Ronald Reagan choked on the peanut. like they just had no explanation. Mm, like phew. they're like, that's kind of what it was. We don't really have an explanation for it. Um, so then she went to the hospital. she came back. She's fine. She's still fine today. Um, everything's okay. She hasn't done that since. Uh, so, and then, uh, I, the chief of my town entered, I, Wait, your town you know, has a chief. He like a hero.
2: I lived in a town that was ruled by a chief.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the chief of police. How about that? So he entered me into the, or so, you know, I was recognized, um, as like a hero, And all this kind of stuff. And like, I got my name, and I was in the paper, and then the local news like interviewed me. So then I got entered into this contest. Uh, called the G.I. Joe Real American Hero Contest <laughs> and what it is is they I don't know if they still do it today. I, um, Jesse but you,
1: you now have a new life. <laughs> I know, exactly. yeah, I know. This, this sounds right up your alley. <laughs> it, yeah, it, yeah,
2: I think it's yeah. gotten to the point. I'm sure it's still around, but I think it's like basically if you apply, there's one guy in an office at the G. I. Joe
1: headquarters,
2: you know, and he's like, I got a nominee, we got a new one and it's like the there's first G. one. G. I. You know. Joe headquarters? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's
1: like it's like those who's who in America books for like high school kids. You pay right. your twenty bucks and all of a sudden you're nominated <laughs> or whatever. It's it's like I'm the a who's
2: who <laughs> of real American G.I. Joe heroes. Yeah.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it gets better. Trust me. There's, it gets a lot better. So I got entered into the contest. I won for the state of Ohio. And then I won the top five out of all the kids. Like, I don't know how many kids got nominated, but there was the top five of us. Uh, so then I would guess way back 50 when, if you
3: won Ohio. But I mean, I can't be yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm just throwing some numbers.
6: I, so, um, Way back when, Wayne Brady from Whose Line Is It Anyway, (laughs) he had like a show, like a talk show, like Ellen, basically. Wayne Brady show, Um, I remember that. And so he found out about it or the producers found out about it. So I actually got to like, they flew me out to LA (laughs) and I got to go on his show. (laughs) And so I got to like introduce him. And like, then he brought me up on stage and he actually gave me like an original Xbox that I still have. <laughs> um, I don't think I'll ever get rid of it just because of like the, like, Priceless. that's it's how a, I got yeah. it. It's
1: a Wayne Brady Xbox. I'll
6: say this, yeah. it's either exactly. going to go
2: to you or the Smithsonian. So, you know, one of you. you <laughs> know, <in my laughs> exactly.
6: Uh, and so, yeah, so I, I did that first. So I went out to LA and then I came back and then um, they flew me then out to DC and so, um, oh, I also got a bunch of GI Joes that are in a box oh, somewhere. I, I haven't opened them just because I'm hoping that maybe they might be worth something someday. Yeah, they're maybe. Wayne Brady
1: GI Joes, of course. <laughs>
6: yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so um, I went to, oh, sorry, I went to DC. I met the senator at the time of Ohio, and I think the governor of Ohio, and the chief of Ohio. Um, I got a tour of, like the <laughs> Pentagon, the White House. <laughs>
4: the um,
6: we stayed in a really nice hotel. And then I, I think – well, the, that too, and G.I. – like Hasbro owns G.I. Joe, so I got a bunch of more toys and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I still have all the G.I. Joes. They're in a box somewhere in my in my mom's basement. Um, but, yeah, so that's the whole story. Yeah, that's so fantastic. that's kind of like one of those – like tell us an interesting story about yourself that no one knows about you. Yeah. And so I had to tell that one and everyone's like, what? Yeah, oh my gosh. That's not, crazy. Not many so, people's,
2: uh, interesting stories involve both a nearly fatal sip of Dr. Pfeffer, a, a GI Joe award <laughs> and Wayne Brady somehow involved in all of
6: this. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, logically. exactly. I have one of those very unique stories. Wow. So,
1: you, you're a good, you're you're well de- well deserved listener of the week, Pierce Perry. Thanks for <laughs> thank joining you. us after chapel class. Good luck in financial <laughs> accounting as opposed to grain accounting. Yeah,
6: yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, I listen to you guys every week. You guys have made my my rides home more enjoyable. So if I didn't have you guys in the car, they'd be really boring. So I appreciate you guys awesome. and all that just, you guys do. Hey, listen,
2: so. just just knowing your history, I appreciate you listening to the car. Watch the road, friend. Watch the road. Don't get caught just because you maneuvered one and it's a fourth grader. Okay? Thanks. You know, f- watch the road.
1: All right. Pierce Perry, our listener of the week. If you want to be our listener of the week next week, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and tell us three interesting facts about yourself. Now, Pierce, he loaded it. He loaded it with one... Super interesting fact. Yeah. A, a middling fact. Uh, not so interesting fact. If what we're looking for is a good solid trifecta. Yeah. We're looking for a good three. Um, uh, hit us up on Twitter and maybe you'll be joining us next week. Many thanks to Tim Keller for joining us. His new book, The Prodigal Prophet, Jonah and the Mystery of God's Mercy is out now. You can follow him on Twitter at Tim Keller NYC or if you just want some of his wisdom, there's a bunch of Tim Keller quotes accounts on Twitter as well. Yeah. I follow a few of those. Well, many thanks to our show sponsors for making this episode possible. Remember Samaritan Ministries. If you'd like to learn more about how you can join those that are happily uninsured, visit org slash relevant. Thanks also to Squarespace. Go over to Squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your website, use the offer code relevant to save 10% off your first purchase of a site or domain. Hey, uh, head on over to RelevantMagazine.com. Every day, there's a lot of great content going on. And uh, the print mag, uh, the new issue is shipping right now. We'll tell you all about it on the next episode. If you go there, go to RelevantMagazine.com slash subscribe. There's a great deal going on to subscribe to the magazine. I really think you'll like this new issue. Uh, It's packed full of some great content. You can go subscribe right now at RelevantMagazine.com. On that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. And I'm Tyler Eckabee.
3: And I'm Annie Updowns. Downs.
1: We'll see you Friday. Have a great week, everyone.
3: Sometimes the only solace I
4: can find are my own favorite Can I get unstuck? Is it way too much? I need a kind
6: of Thank you for listening to the Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe.
4: Every thug needs a lady. (laughs) Relevant
6: Podcast Network.